happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to the Friends with Employee Benefits podcast. Uh, we took a quick break during the month of August, and we're really excited to be back to continue our conversation, specifically around this move to value, uh, which is where we sort of left off before the break. So, and if you missed the, uh, that episode, we recorded that move to value episode part one, uh, so that you can still give it a listen. And um, Today, we are joined by uh, Francois DeBrant, who is the Senior VP of Episodes of Care at Signify Health. So remember that, Episodes of Care, because we're going to talk about that in great detail. But before we get started, um, Francois, do you mind taking a minute to explain what Signify Health does in, in your role there? Sure. Signify Health is a uh, national company that um, uh, really focuses on two things. One is uh, payment reform, and I know we'll get into that, but also helping the delivery system, physicians, hospitals, health systems do better in alternative payment models, uh, drive towards better value and higher value, if you will. Um, and, and we do that in a, in, in a combination of ways, both with uh, helping, for example, patients who have an acute event in their transitions back to home, um, uh, addressing social determinants of health, uh, which are increasingly uh, important for uh, a, a, a greater number of, uh, of individuals, um, and just extending out from the physicians, the hospitals, so closer to the patient's home uh, to make sure that they get uh, the best care possible. Awesome. So uh, jumping right in, and, and we're, we're here as part of our Move to Value series, so we're going to talk about this, this Move to Value. Francois, if, if we're moving toward value, it begs the question, what are we moving from and, and why? Why do we need to make this change? Sure, great question. And um, really what we're moving away from is uh, an environment in which uh, uh, healthcare costs continue to increase because prices keep going up and the prices keep going up without any measurable difference or improvement in the quality of care. So contrarily to pretty much every other industry uh, where there's some relationship between the price of the service that you pay or the price of the product that you pay and the quality of that product, you know, that association between price and quality simply doesn't exist um, in, uh, in, in healthcare, certainly not um, in a, a widespread fashion. So that has been fueled essentially by um, a payment system in which every single service, every time a patient goes to the doctor's office, every time a patient goes to the lab, goes for an image, there's a separate service, a separate fee, a separate payment. Um, it, it essentially encourages the utilization of services, the production of services, and um, without tying it to patient outcomes. And then um, uh, prices have gone up because they can. Uh, there, there is very little competition in healthcare, at least not open competition. So what we're moving away from is an environment in which there's very little competition. Uh, there's a lack of transparency in what is actually being paid and what you're paying for. Um, and individual services uh, that keep getting produced day after day after day without necessarily any linkage to quality. So that's what we're trying to move away from. And when we talk about moving to value, it's because we want to recreate or not recreate, but create that much tighter association between what you're paying 
and what you're getting. Right, right, and and so we 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 in in our industry we sometimes refer to the to the current or the historical model of being a pay for volume. To your point, Francois, it's like okay, you know, every time someone gets another service done, it's 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 another bill, you know, that goes to the insurance company and potentially more out of pocket to the member. Uh, and, and so that hence hence the the transition to value from volume to to value, right? So part one of this move to value series was with, uh, we had your friend Jeff Hogan on and Jeff and I talked about the different types of pay for value arrangements and strategies. Uh, and in my mind anyway, I concluded that, or I sort of see the holy grail of the value movement to be this idea of you know episodic bundled payments. Do you, do you agree with that? Well, I. Look, I think um, there's a role uh, for different types of payment models, um, for different uh, uh, types of, of care, and also uh, different shapes of the delivery system. And, and I, I, I often remind my colleagues that, um, you know, paying for volume isn't necessarily a bad thing um, when that volume represents preventive care. Yeah. <laughs> You, you want more preventive care. We all want more preventive care. We want more vaccinations. We want more uh, well visits uh, when uh, a mother has had a child. So all of that isn't necessarily um, uh, is good. And, you know, we don't necessarily want to change payment for uh, increasing or, or stimulating volume for the things that, um, you know, around which there should be volume. Uh, but then on the other side, you've got, as we discussed, a lot of unnecessary volume or low value volume. And that's where you want to start clamping down a little bit, uh, or at least encouraging uh, a greater production of, uh, of value. And in the payment world, um, so far, there really been almost, you know, we're down to two modes of trying to get to that value. One is paying um, uh, prepaying for the entire care of the patient to a healthcare entity. Um, in uh, a few decades ago, we called those HMOs, right? Um, <laughs> right. Mostly visit large physician groups that ended up by getting a prepayment per month uh, to manage the entire care for a patient. And there are still some models out there today, like Kaiser Permanente, that a lot of people in the country know. Um, and, and, and episodes kind of fit in the middle between, you know, FIFA service and uh, total capitation or total cost of care. And the dynamics that you can create with um, episodes of care bundles is quite unique because the total cost model, the Kaiser Permanente model, the HMO model, presumes that you're going to get all of your care from a single entity. That's the nature of that. Um, uh, beast. And I think intuitively, most consumers um, understand that uh, no single health system is excellent at everything. If we look here in our state of Connecticut, we know that uh, uh, cancer care isn't provided uh, uniformly and that there are certain institutions that do an incredibly good job at that. Those same institutions don't necessarily do an awesome job at managing autism. 
um, or managing uh, um, uh, you know, patients with complex combinations of certain chronic conditions. So specialization exists today and no real single entity, while they may pretend <laughs> or want the public to think that they're, they can do everything well, the reality is they don't. So when you break it down to episodes and bundles, which essentially represents conditions, health events, um, and you create a package price for those conditions or health events, then you can create competition for value around that. And, I, and, and I'd say it's also intuitively made sense for a consumer. Um, when I have a health event, that's the event I want to take care of. If, if when a mother's having a baby, that's the event that matters to uh, that woman at that point in time. Um, and that's what she's thinking of. She's not necessarily thinking of, you know, anything else that can happen in her life. Similarly, if you, if you have an injury, you want that injury taken care of and, and you want that injury to be taken care of by the best provider for that particular injury. And you're not necessarily worrying about something else. So, so it makes intuitive sense to the consumer and it also helps reshape the delivery system around these pods of excellence. Um, and competition around pods of excellence. That, again, is not that different than what we see everywhere else in, in, uh, in, in our daily lives. Um, and, and that's the concept and the application of the concept that we're bringing to healthcare when we talk about episodes of care and, and bundles around episodes of care. Okay, so we're getting it. We're we're getting into the meat of this, which is, you know, I guess the question in a lot of people's mind. We started this episode, and two or three times already, we mentioned episodes of care and episodic bundled payments. And some people are probably thinking, okay, well, what what the hell does that mean? They might think that we're trying to make the healthcare experience even more complicated than it is already. When we throw out simplify this for us Francois if you could so what you know just in, in its in its you know at, at the heart of it what is in, in, in a bundled payment around an episode of care yeah again I'm going to bring it back to intuitively for uh, the consumer um, uh, let's say that you um, you have uh, uh, diabetes and hypertension and you also have a mild form of depression because you're dealing with this the, these conditions every day, and quite frankly, there are days when uh, it's a struggle. Um, for you as an individual, that's your those are your conditions. That's your life. That's what you think about. And every time you go um, uh, and and access care, the experience is one at a time, one service at a time, one bill at a time, coming out of your deductible, cost sharing, et cetera. And no one that you're um, uh, interacting with necessarily thinks of their world and what they're doing for you as anything else than one service at a time. An episode of care or a bundle on an episode of care is uh, designed to do is to say, we're gonna package this all together. So for you as an individual who have those, who has those three conditions, um, then what is the package for you? Uh, you? You look at historical data, you adjust for the patient care. Let's assume that's $10,000. Then you have a managing physician along with specialists who decide we're going to take this on. And we recognize that that's a fair number, a fair price. 
to manage those three conditions. And we know that we can do a great job. And by the way, here are our outcomes. So bundling simply means you're going to package all of this so that it's one predictable price for the consumer, one predictable price for uh, the, 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 the employer, one predictable price for the provider, by the way, which these days is increasingly important because uh, they're struggling with uh, people not going to the office and, and, and getting the necessary visits. And so everyone knows ahead of time, this is it. This is the package of services. This is the, this is the price and it's predictable and it's guaranteed. So if there are any complications, if there are anything, it's not, I got to pay more. It's no, that's my responsibility. I'm taking you on. I'm taking your conditions on. I'm holding myself accountable to you for the outcomes. I'm holding myself accountable to your employer for the outcomes. And I'm holding myself accountable financially for the outcomes. And it's a fair bargain between two parties that decide how are we going to create real value, valued care for this, this individual who has these three conditions. Repeat that for a mother having a child. Uh, back to my prior example, that's my life event right now. And if I go to the obstetrician, I'm paying a bill. If that obstetrician sends me out to have a consult with someone else, I'm paying a bill. When I go to, 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 to the hospital to deliver my baby, that's another bill. And by the way, the hospital doesn't really care whether it's a vaginal delivery, a C-section, whether the complications or not, they're just billing. Then the baby's born and that's another bill. Then I go back to the pediatrician with the baby and that's it. And no one is thinking about this the way I'm thinking about this as a mother, which is I'm going through a life event and that life event is giving birth to a child. And what, we, what you do with a bundle payment is you say, we're going to mimic that life event from a payment standpoint so that the entire event, the pregnancy, the delivery, the newborn, the postpartum care, that's a bundle. And, and we want everyone within that bundle to start collaborating with each other because, and focusing on the outcomes, which is a healthy mother and a healthy child. You can't do that if everyone's just worried about their individual bills, but you can effectively achieve that if everyone's in the package together, thinking and focusing on that event for that person. So there's a bunch of different caregivers, you know, involved in, in taking care of that mother to be and then and then that mother and then the newborn baby in in so you bring the I think you mentioned before you called it a pod, which really you're talking about which is that team of caregivers, right? And they all have to agree in advance that they're gonna that, that they're gonna work together. Yes. Uh, to, to, to from from A to Z to, to take care of that life experience that that particular experience for that for that mom or mom that, that's exactly right and that doesn't exist today except in those um, uh, HMO models and what we're really doing is we're taking the concept of that total care for the patient but instead of forcing someone to go to that single place for all of their care we're saying no, depending on your life event, depending on what's important to you at, at what point in time, we're going to bring the concept of that model to that life event and create a team that's willing to, and, and to be accountable to you, being willing to, willing to be uh, uh, accountable for outcomes. And, and, and it's almost like, a, and it's not almost, it is a contract, right? That, yeah. those, that team 
agrees to work as a team. And that's really what the power of moving to value. It's, you know, moving to volume isn't just lots and lots of stuff that sometimes isn't necessary. It's also lots and lots of silos, lots hmm. and lots of providers just doing their own thing, focusing on their own thing. And, um, you know, the analogy is in, in um, uh, and it's not necessarily a good analogy, but I, I think visually people understand, is that the fee-for-service system, the pay-for-volume system is essentially all of the suppliers to the car industry, to a car manufacturer. So they, you know, someone manufacturing tires and someone manufacturing bolts and someone manufacturing the fender and someone manufacturing the engine, et cetera. And that's it. <laughs> the, the, what the bundle does is say, wait a second, you're all on the same team building a car. The consumer doesn't want all the pieces, they want the car. And that's really what the purpose of it is, right? Which is to take all of these different providers and bring them together as a team under a financial contract that says, this is what you're accepting, these are the terms and conditions, and you're providing a guarantee around value. What, what, I love the analogy. We would never dream of, of paying piecemeal for a car. We, we pay one price for the whole car, right? Uh, so it's a great analogy. Isn't it true, Francois, that this too, the contract really is, is between, well, there's a couple of them, right? It's a contract that between these, this pod of providers holding themselves accountable to one another. Right. Isn't there more, more, more sort of accountability to one another in this model than there is today when everything's kind of piecemeal? There absolutely is. And again, I, I'm contrasting that from uh, the single, you know, monolithic health system uh, it, it, because when, when you look at those institutions, um, uh, they're big, they've got lots of providers, they don't necessarily all collaborate together. And mm -hmm. quite frankly, um, they're not forced to collaborate with one another. But when you're accepting a contract to manage a patient's condition, um, then that is a real contract. And, and it is a, an agreement to collaborate with one another. Um, and so you're, and you're bringing it back to um, uh, where the care is being given and to, by whom it's being given. So it, I, we, we know and we see it's a far more powerful compact between the providers managing that patient and the patient because it's done around what really matters to you as an individual and quite frankly, what matters to that provider. Obstetricians are obstetricians. <laughs> they, they're, they, they, they deliver babies and uh, that's what they focus on. And so when you, when you put them as part of a large health system, they're intermingled with cardiologists and, you know, and everyone's doing their own thing. But here in an episode of Care Construct, you're really telling the obstetrician, look, you're part of a team that includes also the facility, that includes the anesthesiologist, that includes the neonatologist, that includes the pediatrician, and you're all in this together. And your goal, healthy mother, healthy child. Yeah. Sounds great to me. And it sounds like there's a lot of work behind the scenes that has to get done by folks like you to sort of get to bring the, the, all the providers together and come to an agreement on how, how they're going to collaborate and what is the right price tag for that. But, but for, the, for the consumer, at the end of the day, it does sound like a huge simplification. Um, it is. And, and by the way, it's also, uh, at the end of the day, for the providers, it, it's what they want and what they want to do. Um, you know, I, I've never met any physician that wakes up in the morning and says, 
hey, my goal today is to bill as many services as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you uh, folks out there, like in any industry, who are bad actors, but the incredible majority, I mean, look at, you know, the devotion of, of healthcare workers over the past eight months as they've been dealing with this pandemic. And no one no one who's trained as a clinician wakes up in the morning thinking anything else than I want to try to do what's right for the patient. And then, and then they get out of their house and they get into their cars and they get into their uh, offices and they're, they're met with this incredible onslaught of incentives and directives and uh, regulations that get them away from what they want to do. And um, we really look at changing payment as a method to free them from all of this nonsense and to help them refocus on what they want to do, which is just give the right care to the patients. And, uh, uh, and, and in all candor, when we have conversations with, with, with physicians, once they get into it, that's how they feel. They feel, wow, for once, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not driven or held accountable for just doing more stuff. I'm really held accountable for managing the patients in the best possible way. And I, I'll take that deal any day because that's what I train. You know, that's what I spent all the years in medical school to do. Um, and, and so it frees them in much the same as it, it for, for the individual consumer, it becomes a better experience. And look, for employers, at the end, this is about making sure that you're not sacrificing quality Quite, quite the contrary, that you're finding ways of improving the quality of care, but that you're finally getting predictability in pricing. Yeah. A huge deal, right? Predictability in pricing so that when uh, your fiscal year ends, you're not hit with these unexpected bills and all of this other nonsense that happens today um, in, in the fee-for-service world. So uh, it, it, it's, again, it's not... You can't solve every problem, um, but you can at least tackle uh, a, a significant portion of uh, what uh, employers spend on care every single year and convert it to uh, a fee-for-service mess to something that makes more sense. So, Francois, what, what types of, of health episodes do you, do you think can fit into this model? Like, like what would, you know, quote unquote, qualify for a bundled arrangement? Yes, uh, good question. And, and today, uh, the, the, um, uh, the menu, if you will, um, or the library of all of these episodes can um, uh, encompass just about 60, 60, you know, between 60 and 70 percent of uh, the medical spend of an employer, so including um, uh, almost all uh, inpatient in procedures, outpatient procedures, uh, chronic conditions uh, like we talked about, uh, including things like mental health and behavioral health. So it's at the end, this is all about you know uh, conditions and managing conditions, procedures and managing procedures, and um, ultimately a bundle is simply taking what exists today, but packaging it into something that makes a little bit more sense. Now, there's a bunch of stuff that uh, doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, again, as we talked about earlier, routine preventive care, <laughs> you don't want to create, I mean, why create a bundle for that? Just let it in fee-for-service, it's perfectly fine. Routine sick care, um, you know, someone has a rash they need to get taken care of, someone had a sprain in their leg, that's, um, uh, again, uh, kind of commoditized and 
and, and fine and in, in fee for service. Um, and then on the, on the other side, uh, you have really complex conditions uh, that are rare um, and that you can't truly bundle because it's difficult to adjust. It's difficult to, you know, there's not enough volume to really make decent observations. It becomes, it's more akin to pure insurance. That's what insurance is about, right? When something rare happens that you really need to, um, uh, uh, it's going to be expensive. Uh, that's what reinsurance is about. That's what stop loss insurance is about. And so for that stuff, again, it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense when it's very difficult to bundle, but everything else in the, in the middle, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, a big, um, uh, it, it's a big chunk of the medical spend. So that's huge. I think you said 60 to 70% 60 to 70% of, the, of the medical spend for a typical employer, which is, yep. which is a, big, a, a big chunk of it. It almost seems like as a rule of thumb, you know, if you, because you don't, you don't think, as, at least as an individual, I don't think of, oh, you know, I've got a, um, you know, I, I have poison ivy, you know, and I need to, I don't feel like that's a, a huge episode in my life, right? No. It, it's those things that were, to your point earlier, where it, it, you do, it's something that really requires some emotional and physical focus of your own that also is going to require more than just one provider, but, but, but a group of providers that ideally are going to be collaborating with one. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, so um, you already said that the total opportunity here is 70, 67% of the spend, but what about pharmacy? Like how does, how does pharmacy fit into this bundle payment solution or does it not? Is that something that somebody else has to tackle? <laughs> no, it, it, it does. Um, uh, I mean, you have lots of other organizations uh, that are in that pharmacy chain and who have protocols uh, to try to do things like generic substitutions and uh, and all that is 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 uh, is important and needs to stay in place. But you want again the the physicians who are managing the patient's care first to be aware, understand um, uh, the volume of dollars that are included in that pharmaceutical component, and also to feel truly completely engaged and accountable for that portion. Uh, now, there, you, you can't hold them accountable for random increases in prices of pharmaceuticals that are driven by the pharmaceutical country, company, but what you can't hold them accountable for is dosage. Um, it's the frequency of, of, um, uh, of, of prescribing that medication, uh, the type of the medication that's being prescribed, um, and uh, potential substitutions for that medication. So there are a lot of things that um, uh, those physicians can do and can impact that are within their power and, and their control, and that's what you want them to do and to focus on. The pricing of the medication itself is uh, really not under their control at all. Um, and so there are ways of, of um, on the back end, chewing up you know, whatever changes occur on that. And, and that's what PBMs are for, and that's what other you know, specialty medicine companies are for. It's more around uh, the pricing of those drugs, but ultimately the physician is, is and should be responsible for what you give, when you give it, how frequently you give it. It seems to me like uh, I'm, I'm assuming that most, if not all, cancers would, would be episodes of care that are bundleable, if that's a word, 
and that the chemotherapy would be could be at least part of that bundle. It 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 is bundleable. It's a word I use often. Okay. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, <laughs> I don't know if it's a real world, but <laughs> I use it anyway. It um, is now. <laughs> it is now, and um, and yes, now there's a challenge uh, in uh, cancer episodes, which is um, uh, of of all of the conditions that exist. Um, it's one that has uh, probably the least amount of specificity in diagnosis coding that's available on claims. Um, and what do I mean by that? When, when you look historically at claims data for uh, any cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, lung cancer, uh, what you see is a diagnosis code that indicates that the patient has uh, a type of cancer. What it doesn't tell you is what stage of cancer are they at. Um, what type of tumor do they have? What's the size of it? all of these that are absolutely essentially important? So um, we're doing a lot of developmental work in that field, um, working with uh, cancer centers. And in Connecticut, uh, there's a uh, um, uh, effort as part of the Moving to Value uh, Alliance um, that is focused on cancer and cancer episodes. And we will bring that into uh, our programs. Uh, but there is some development work that still needs to be done to get to a reasonable package price um, that's fair, right? Because that's a that was as a and I think for employers and everyone it, it it should be a guiding principle. You don't take a dart and just throw it and 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 come up with a price. Um, it has to be based on uh, analysis of what's appropriate for the patient. Uh, you know how many services should be used, et cetera. And so that, again, um, on, on the cancer front, just requires a little bit more work. But you're absolutely correct that um, it, it, it can be and will be bundled. That's why you mentioned that there is a move to value initiative, an active initiative in the state of Connecticut. Can you comment on where we are in, in Connecticut in particular in the, in the evolution of, 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 this, of this being specifically the episodic bundles? Yes. Um, uh, well, we're lucky that uh, the state employee plan uh, under the Office of the Controller um, has embraced this the way they have um, and, and, and taken the lead because it gives an opportunity now for other employers uh, to pile on. And so the Moving to Value Alliance, I think, was and has been and continues to be uh, the fulcrum of change where discussions go on between the stakeholders, the employers, the carriers, and the providers on what it means, what we should do, what's the roadmap, and uh, the pathway to increasing that value. But ultimately, if you want to move from discussion to action, someone has to, has to stand up and say, you know what, I'm just, I'm doing this. <laughs> uh, we've been talking about it now for a year, two years, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. I want to get it done. Um, and that's what the state employee plan has done. Um, and, uh, and so I think they, they, we are at a point now where uh, uh, other employers really should look at uh, what the state has done, um, uh, find ways to participate. It's not that difficult. Um, and um, and benefit from it and just join the movement because uh, this is one where a single employer, however big, and the state employee plan is big, but frankly, it's only a small percentage of the total population in Connecticut, you're not going to be able to move everything. So uh, we need more employers uh, to join uh, hands with the state 
in order to really shift uh, the momentum in the in in to permanently shift the momentum and to permanently move from volume to value. It, it, it is good to know as a lifelong Connecticut resident that you know this is it sounds like it's kind of a hot spot and in, in for you know this um, this movement and um, and that we're sort of uh, maybe considered on on the uh, leading edge of this is it, am I understanding that correctly? Yes, I think when looking at uh, uh, other parts of the country, you do have um, Medicaid agencies, state employee plans trying to figure uh, out how to, uh, again, participate in that shift from volume to value. Um, they're increasingly under pressure and they're going to be under increased pressure uh, over the next several years uh, to make up budget deficits that are resulting from uh, the pandemic. And, um, uh, and so bold action is needed. And, uh, but yes, I think we are lucky to be in a state where uh, the state is taking uh, really bold action. Um, but if, it, if it's not followed, and I think this is what keeps me up at night, which is if others don't follow in their footsteps, then there's a good chance this will fizzle out because the providers will, um, uh, you know, the providers listen to the market signal very closely. And right now, the signal that they're hearing is this is gonna be bigger than just uh, the couple of hundred thousand uh, state employee plan members. Um, but if it isn't, then, <laughs> you know, their interests are going to be pulled by the other couple million uh, that are in the state that are not part of this movement. So we need to keep stacking on top of those couple of hundred thousand so that it becomes an inexorable force that just takes the market with it and, yeah. and moves to that column. Yeah, I mean, really, really large employers like the state of Connecticut can can directly, you know, can, can get into direct contracting, right? It, but um, it, it does, and other large employers should follow, it seems to me. But we need the carriers, do we not, the, to, to, to also be kind of um, committed to this transition to, to value? Yes, but, you know, to an extent, any employer can pile on. Um, you know, the, the structure that the state is, um, has set up um, through Signify is to create these uh, episode of care contracts. Um, mm -hmm. And so Signify holds an episode of care contract with the provider on behalf of the state, but nothing precludes us. And in fact, the state wants um, another employer to say, hey, can you have, can you Signify add me um, or, 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 or have a contract with that provider for the same episode, but for me and for my employees? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Um, so it's not necessarily dependent on the carrier more than the employer saying, yeah, we want to participate in this and letting their carrier know we are going to participate in this. So in the background, Signify does need the collaboration of the carrier uh, because we need to exchange claims data on, a, on an ongoing basis. Um, but the carrier itself doesn't really need to change their contracts because the employer um, can leverage the contract that Signify has with the providers for those episodes of care. That, that's great and probably for, further along or better news than most people would, would have expected on that, on that front. Yeah. You know, there, there's, you know, the, many employers can, can really demand this and have access to this kind of, uh, to this kind of model. That's exactly right. And, uh, 
uh, as I said, it, it, it's, it's so important because uh, market momentum can shift um, and, uh, and we don't want it to shift back uh, to where it has been. We need it to mm. continue to make sure that it shifts uh, to value. Uh, Francois, did, did we miss anything? Anything else that you wanted to chat about or that we didn't cover that you think uh, we need to touch base on? No, I, I maybe just um, uh, harping on uh, that last point because um, a lot of people look at these programs and a lot of employers look at these programs and say, wow, this is complicated. And then they go to their carriers and the carriers say, well, you know, we're doing these five other things and that's what you're benefiting from. And it, it, it's really difficult for us carrier to implement that program. And our message is, um, no, the carrier really doesn't have to do a whole heck of a lot except pass on claims data to signify we're the ones doing the heavy lift. So it, it, it's, you don't, you're not as an employer, you're not dependent on your carrier uh, doing anything in this particular program other than giving us the claims data that we need to help power that program on behalf of that employer. So administratively, there's very little complexity to this for the employer. There's virtually nothing that their carrier needs to do except, as I said, a, a modest amount of collaboration. Um, and and we, have the, we have the state of Connecticut employee plan to thank for that. They want other employers to pile onto this. So we structured it in such a way to make it really, really easy for any employer to participate. Awesome. Before we go, uh, we always end every episode with each guest with a few rapid fire questions, uh, just so our listeners can get to know you personally a little bit better. Are you, are you good with that? Take it, it will take us 30 seconds. You bet. Okay. All right. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite band? Ah, uh, uh, super trend. If you had one superpower, what would it be? Uh, invincibility. If you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? Lying on a beach somewhere. And lastly, Francois, our theme this year at One Digital is being bold. So what does being bold mean to you? Being bold means taking risks and uh, not looking back uh, and second guessing yourself. Great. Th thanks again, Francois, for joining us today. I think this is a great episode and, and, uh, and um, I think we, we probably need to do more of this. As you said, it takes a village to make change and everybody's got to be engaged and committed to it. So... Um, folks, if you like this episode, leave a review. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you want to be the first to know when the next episode drops. Thanks for tuning in. This has been yet another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits and HR.